0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18
1: plus. Talk Recorded live. <sighs> Hello, once again, this is, uh, it's Mike. Nothing but truthful. I'm entering to find it. and I have Larry. I with me again. And, uh, I say Phillips or Phillips. What did I just say?
2: There? <laughs> you know what? It's funny because well, you know, I have to share this. I have to share this with your audience. You know, there's uh, a lot of people think that I'm. You know, it is Phillips, but a lot of people right. think oh, you don't have any relationship to Eric Phelps do you. And then a lot of people say, "Do you know Fred Phelps?" <laughs> <laughs> now, by the way, I've met Fred Phelps, and I've met all of his family.
1: In fact, right. I've, atten-
2: I've attended Fred Phelps' church in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, and my wife and my son have attended there, uh, just because we wanted to. We wanted to see exactly what went on in that church. That's for another broadcast, and I'll share that with people. Um, but you talk about a distortion between law and grace with Fred Phelps, man. I'll tell you that's quite a story. But uh,
1: anyway, onward, onward to this broadcast. Yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're going to be a part three of the book of Romans. Um, and uh, we stopped off at uh verse eight of chapter two and I know that seems like we didn't get a lot done but we had to go back into <laughs> uh the first chapter of Romans to to understand the first eight verses as he talks about um, recompense recompense their errors which was meant explaining that uh, this uh, gave him over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And he was talking about when you're under this reprobate mind, under this uh, judgment, if you will, or recompense, that, uh, you know, judging others, well, basically you're, you're a walking hypocrite and uh, until you get right, or God makes you right, and standing with him and his... And uh, I guess if you say a indwelling of God's Spirit in you, you can't really make good judgment. (laughs)
2: Yeah, you can't. uh, You really can't. You know, it's 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 really much more than that. I mean, you're spiritually dead, and you um, you're walking around as a dead person, enslaved to Satan's kingdom. You know, Uh and. And I did, before we move on, I just was I was thinking a lot about our broadcast yesterday, and I'd like to just say this in a broad sweep, and that is that this whole and we kind of touched on it, this whole tolerance mindset in our society is is based upon this, you know, judge not lest you be judge syndrome is what I call it, and uh, the problem is is that uh, you know uh, like I I was on my you know I I was talking to my cousin one day. And my cousin is the wife of the district superintendent for the Westland Methodist Church. And so he has a highfalutin position within that organization. (laughs) And she said to me, and by the way, it was on a, it was on a, what I call a relative call. Um, It was a my R-A, R-slash-A, relative Armenian call, proselyting me, trying to win me
3: over, okay?
2: They all got together, ganged up on me, you know. And, and here's the way it went. Um, Sharon, Sharon is the person that I just mentioned, Sharon. Larry, now, you know, and you know very well, and you've been raised to understand. Now, see, that's mind control. Larry, you know very well, and Larry, you know you've been raised to understand that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Now, I was not, that was about, what, seven months ago? Man, I, I guess the Lord's bringing me a long way here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because my response was not, was not real gracious. Because here was my response, Sharon, you understand that you are leaving out the most important two words in that passage of scripture, us-word. And you understand who Peter was addressing there, the beloved, the elect. And he was not addressing all men without exception. Now, Sharon... If you want to get into a long discussion about the proper interpretation of this passage, we can do that. I'm through with you, Larry Phillips. <laughs> this conversation's over. I'm blocking you off Facebook. I don't. I'm through. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> okay, that's you know, the way it's
1: out. Uh, no, I know. I know exactly what you're going through. I, I went that through that with uh, siblings and other people too. Yeah, for some reason. There's something in us where we don't want to go instead of abandoning our our assumptions and our, our opinions, just go back to the word of god right right, and it was fascinating. I was listening to some of the debates that you suggested like uh with uh James white and, yeah. uh, Hunt. and then, uh and then also then uh, the other guy he did debate he did de- debated Brown whatever his name is
2: yeah yeah, I was to that too you yeah. know.
1: And uh, you know a couple guys who are very much Arminius and uh, uh, really against this, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Michael, Doctor. So it was Doctor against Doctor, Doctor Michael Brown against Doctor James White. One thing I didn't notice about the uh, Arminius or the Free Willers side is that they don't read the scriptures in context. They take a verse here, they take a verse there to make their argument. And of course we've been trained this way and they have been trained this way through the Jesuit education that they've received. And so uh, our own defense, again, is going back to the Word of God and to slow down. One of the things I've noticed uh, with this hyper... Yeah, well, I'm thinking about society as a whole, like this hyper, very fast-paced life of ours, and go, 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 you learn to, uh, like, school and all that, instead of really getting into a subject matter, really knowing a book or anything like that, it's it's memorizing details and parts and bits of the book. And you see how this Jesuit-controlled public school system and and doesn't mean it doesn't. Mean it, it, the private school system same way. It's all the same way. They're spoon feeding you what they want you to. What they want you to think. What you want. What they want you to be. Back to this mind control thing instead. Because, and what's interesting of the thing that's happening between you and I, Larry. And hopefully it stays this way. If you can, maybe it's because of, of your experience and your age, and because my, God has slowed me down thinking for my health and all that. For some reason. We're able to read and slow down. Does you that make know,
2: any I sense? Has, I, oh, absolutely. Cause, you you're know, what I, I mean? Cause you're, you're you're right on target. I mean, it's like when I was in you know, um, college, I went to a guy who you know had a graduate degree, and I was having I was having to I was having to go through so much material. I mean, they just they just totally enslave you in these in these universities. Amount of work they require and amount of reading as well, and so I went to this fellow and I said, "Hey, I'm trying to figure out how I can continue to work a full-time job and go to this university full-time." I said, "This is this is ridiculous." I said, "You know, it's starting to weigh on me," and he said, "I can tell you how to do it," and I said, I'm, "That's why I'm here. I, you, know, you, you I know you did it and you got a graduate degree." So he says, "Okay," because I'm going to let you on a huge secret. Okay, he says he says about 90% of academians, okay, are ta- are taught traditional ways of speaking and traditional ways of writing. He said, what did you learn in your first public speaking class? And then it dawned on me where he was going, and I started laughing because here's what I learned in my first public speaking class, which stuck to me to this day, and I'm not saying there isn't some relevance to it, okay? But the public speaking teacher said, if you can learn these three principles, you can be a really good speaker, Uh, and you can speak to a sixth-grade audience, and they'll be able to understand you. She said, "Here's what it is. Number one, you tell your audience what you're going to tell them. Number two, you tell them. And number three, you tell your audience what you told them.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> well, that's how these people write. Okay. A lot of these supposed graduate level people are writing on a sixth grade level. And so here's how you read them. You you, you never." You never read in between paragraphs. You always read the first sentence and the last sentence of every paragraph of every book. And I did that for you. That's how I got all the way through college. You know, first sentence, last sentence, first sentence, last sentence, first sentence, last sentence. You know, and I was able to maintain a, you know, uh, a three point, you know, seven two GPA. You know am I doing that? So. Uh, it shows you the level of you know, you know, like you're saying. There's no depth. There's no sure. there's there's no meaning behind the meaning. There's no context. It's all surface kind of stuff. So anyway, before we go any
1: further, for some reason your mic or whatever is going on, a lot of rustling noise. In the is
2: there really? Hold on a second. Yeah, please. I don't
1: know. If there's got kind of a bad connection.
2: Let me see if I can. Hold
3: on, one.
1: That's kind of quiet now. Are you back?
3: No. Uh,
2: so now is that, is that any better?
1: Uh, you're still breaking up. I think what you need to do okay. is either I can either I can call you in, or you need to call back on Talkstream so you get back connection. Okay, you mean okay? Well, I. Uh, just Why, don't Why don't you just call back on TalkShoe and see a better connection? If that doesn't work, then now you call
2: you. are saying not call in on Skype?
1: Just call in like you did before into the okay. chat room oh. in Talk oh. Oh, okay. Get it, well, call, it, it, it sounds like you've got a bad connection. I hope that's what it is. Is it, Is it? Is it a cordless headset? No.
2: I called in on Skype, though, and put in the ID number.
1: Yeah, and you got a okay. bad connection. I'll 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 tell you what you hang up you hang up and I'll call you via Skype just hang up and then we'll get this going and oh okay he's gone get back in here and maybe that's what will help I hope that helps because he has some very useful information right there doesn't it read the first and the last sentence of the paragraph if you want to get through these college textbooks and Seems like all these Bible study books and all these other self-help books. So basically, what it's saying is, is that eighty percent is um, of the book is absolutely useless. Now, once you get yourself trained to think that way um, and to, to study that way, and you get yourself into a habit of being in a, a rush to get the information, now you become yourself much more susceptible to mind control and what other people want you to say. And I think it's fascinating how God, in particular how, you know, a lot of people can't stand the King James Bible because what happens with King James Bible, if you start reading it, especially out loud, you start fumbling and stumbling uh, so it, it, this book actually forces you to slow down and read and it was quite clever um, the way they wrote it I know a lot of people can't stand it so I've had guests to call it uh, 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 Shakespearean gibberish but the truth of the matter is it, it does force you to slow down and we live in a world where the first amazingly frantic pace where everyone's hoping to get nowhere. Yeah, that's true. And so this Bible is even more powerful the more and more, uh, especially this whole time I've been spending with you, Larry, is how to, the necessity to slow it down. So let's go start with 9 here, it says, verse 9 of uh, chapter 2. It says, Tribulations, but it's not tribulations, it's tribulation <laughs> and <laughs> anguish. Upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile. But uh, we'll let's just stop there. What uh, what is that verse actually saying, there, Larry? What do you think it's saying?
2: Well, I think that uh, you know we know that uh, there's 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 two kinds of tribulations. And there's, there's two kinds of anguish. There's probably a lot more than that. But the tribulation on uh, the elect that disobeys God's commands and so on, of course, you're going to be a guilty conscience. And, of course, if you're truly God's elect, he's going to cause you to repent, turn back to him. But for the uh, reprobate, the tribulation and anguish is... Uh, obviously, going to be met when they co- when they are when they come to stand before God and He, uh, you know, He He casts them into hell. And so you have to make a distinction there. Now, I know uh, prior to my conversion, uh, I had a lot of trib- tribulation and anguish on my soul, uh, and that's called conviction. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so, um, so that's that's my sort of thoughts on that. You know, um, notice he he says in the in the next one, you know, he's well he says the Jew first and also the Gentile, and uh, you know it's it's interesting because the. By and large, and and I have to qualify that, but by and large, in the Old Testament, you don't find a lot of Gentile believers. Uh, you know, Job was a Gentile,
3: uh,
2: but uh, I think that's what he's referring to there. The Jew first, you know. I mean, we see a lot more pre- prevalence of, of of Jews who were faith who who had faith in the Old Testament than, than Gentiles.
1: Interesting. That has anything to do with uh, the present time, kind of leading up to 70 A.D. Or you think it's just re- it's just reflecting back into the Old Testament and the history of the Jews?
2: Well, I think I think that it, it can be it it can be both. Now, I I think there's a danger, of course, um, because there's such a a sludge podge of this uh, New Testament misapplication to the statehood of Israel and the Jews, and aligning that with so-called Christianity, and never the twain shall meet. And so we know that there's 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal, and we also know that in Revelation, (laughs) there's 144,000 that are going to come to, uh, that are going to be very active in the la- very last days, uh, 12,000 tri- 12, from each of the twelve tribes. But I'm very very uh, clear when I t- talk about this Jewish Gentile talk. People understand that I am making a I'm making a uh, distinction between spiritual Israel and physical Israel.
1: Okay. Well, let's go back to verse 8 and then read to uh, 11. I'm sorry, but I think it will help to understand also what we just read in 9. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. And then, for some reason, they've been separated into another verse, but it should go, if you're reading it, you know, it's, it continues on from verse eight, is
3: what. Right, right.
1: Uh, so it's indignation and wrath for those who uh, uh, obey unrighteousness and do, and do not obey truth and are contentious. They will receive indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentiles. But glory, honor, and and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also the Gentiles. There is no respect of all of there is no respect of person with God. So,
2: well, it's interesting because uh, you know if you go uh, over to the uh, we we we've touched on this before. But whenever Paul is speaking here of the aspect of working good, um, you know, he's referring to the work of faith in a person. He's not referring to well, and I can show you in fourth in the fourth chapter of Romans it says verse two, for if Abraham were justified by works he hath were of, you know, to both, to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. I know I'm jumping ahead, the chapter, but I think it's important to do that, to show show what he's when he talks about working good he's talking about you know faith yeah, yeah. and uh, if you you know I, I'd like to uh, you know I, uh, I guess that's enough said on that but there's a lot of scriptures that that convey that same that same uh, message,
1: right? I think we'll go on to, to twelve. Yeah, not yeah. to be in a rush, but I think right, right. As uh, we go, I, I, and I, I appreciate your patience now we are doing this. Others maybe might, not, might find this too slow. so "Come on, hurry up!" But we're not okay. going to do that. We're going to truly understand what we're reading. And go to th- th- verse twelve. For as many as have sinned without the law, so here's the answer to this question about right. the Jews and the Gentiles. I believe. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, and in the meanwhile accusing and also excusing one another. In one day, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, by Jesus, according to many, to my gospel, behold, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law, and makest thou boast of God. I don't want to stop there before going further. Um, going back to the Gentiles and Jews, could it possibly be what he's saying is that there is, It doesn't matter anymore whether you're a Jew or a Gentile at this point. Well, this is what he's really saying. He's really Well, I,
2: I think that, you know, I think that uh, there's another passage that talks about, you know, I think over in the 11th chapter, you know, because a lot of the Jews were coming to him trying to, again, present, that the, you know, their physical heritage. And he said, you know, uh, you know, the Jews were blessed in every way. They were given the oracles of God. Okay. <laughs> Well, and, and then if you go back to Hebrews, uh, the fourth chapter, second verse, I'll read that. It says, um, it says For unto us were the, was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. That, and so, yeah, in other words, there's, again, trying to simplify this. There are some that have been given faith, and there are some that have not been given faith. And uh, so <clears throat> it gets down to the just shall live by faith again. And so that's, uh, that's in a nutshell. And then, of course, you can go to uh, 2 Timothy 2. Uh, Thirteen, it says, if we believe not, uh, yet he he abideth faithful; he cannot deny himself. Mm-hmm. You know. So, in other words, faith is the most important ingredient in any of this discussion. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You know. And so, um, and you know that. <laughs> You know, Behold, thou art a Jew, and retest, you know, retest in the law, and makest thy boast of God. And, and this is a pick on Jew day. I mean, the, there's a lot of people that are making their, their boast of God and saying, you know, all the good works that they're doing to be approved of God and so on. But in 16, it says in that day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. What is his gospel? His gospel is that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And so his, his faith and his trust is in the righteousness of Christ. That's his gospel. It's not in the uh, works of man.
1: Right. And I... I, I I am dwelling, my mind is still dwelling on this uh, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. And my hunch is that there are people out there, maybe dispensationalists, will use this as somehow that the Jews are somehow still to this point. You know, they're like the first, like, they have a special covenant. And I don't think he's actually talking about this. I just think he's no. just saying chronologically, chronologically, that the Jews first got the truth, and now, that, now, also now the Gentiles. Absolutely. And there's nothing more than that, and that's all he's saying, is that once the Jews had it, now the Gentiles and the Jews have it, if you want it. So, you know yeah. I mean?
2: yeah, because, to say It's everyone now. Yeah, because in the book of Acts, if you recall, um, they were preaching to the Jews, uh, Paul and Peter were preaching to the Jews, and uh, they were rejecting it. And so they told him, hey, You reject the truth. Now we go into the Gentiles. Okay. There you go.
1: That's the answer to that question. Yeah. You know. And
2: also in the in the Old Testament, through many Messianic prophecies, it says that he will also be a light unto the Gentiles. And so the and by the way, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed.
3: Okay.
1: Yes. So. Yeah, so if two thousand years ago there's this old thing and separating the Jew and the Gentile thing uh, it's, it's still going on today. Who is trying to put, it, you know, as a way to mind control the populace and to benefit voluntarily off this uh, the confusion of um, the way they the way they preach to people, the way they teach. And this goes back now to what we were talking about at the very beginning. Of how you learn in college how to read <laughs> textbooks, right. the first and second, the first and last sentence of a paragraph, yeah. and just like this spoon feeding. If, as long as you're allowing the priestcraft to spoon feed you what they want you to think the Bible says, you'll never fully understand it. Along with that, I also having the spirit of God. That's obviously as clear to me as day today. I mean, yeah. I tried to read this when I was a Mormon missionary, or even a couple of years ago, or even six months ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it uh, means it, it, it's much more clear today what I'm reading. So, um, <clears throat> let's see where were we at? We were at what, uh, verse twenty. Yes, yeah, so,
2: um, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes. Which has the form of knowledge and the truth, uh, truth in the law. Gosh, and, you know, there's there's certain people out there. I'm not going to mention it. Well, i <laughs> Sometimes I mention names to try to make my point. You know, I mean, there's certain people out there that have a form of knowledge and truth in the law, but. They're, what they're doing is they're Judaizers. They're trying to bring people back under the old law service. And I'm not talking about uh, just ceremonial law or Leviticus. I'm talking about people that are actually, uh, you know, they think that by obeying the commandments is synonymous with uh, with faith. And it is not synonymous with faith. Um, now, I want to be real careful the way I say this. You know, and I said this, I sent you a thing today. You might want to look at it sometime. Um, I put in audio form what I believe according to the Scriptures. And by the way, I'd written that about five years ago, and i am kind of just... Oh, really? It's out of you? Okay. I will. Yeah. But, you know, what it is, is that that whole talk about the law. You know, I've had a guy tell me, well... Larry, are you saying that you don't believe that you should keep the Ten Commandments? And I said, no, I'm not saying I shouldn't keep the Ten Commandments, but now I've answered your question, I've got a question for you. Do you perfectly keep all the Ten Commandments? And if you tell me you do, I know you're a liar and the truth's not in you. Okay? The only way that we can fulfill the royal law of faith is through trusting in Christ and the merits of His Son. And the the law of love is going to give us a higher um, zeal, if you want to put it that way. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, because you love me, you're going to keep my commandments, and if you don't love me, you'll have no desire to do so. And so, that's kind of the thing on that.
1: So um, yeah, okay, so what you're saying is, if you if 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 you have uh, the love of God in you, then you'll want to keep all ten commandments.
2: Yeah, I think you'll want to keep. Um,
1: and so, but but what happens when you realize you can't keep it?
2: Well, then you you know that's another way to. Well, the Bible says the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. In other words, it's a constant. Uh, reminder in our hearts and souls that we can't perfectly keep. We we desire to, but in us dwelleth no good thing. The spirit lusteth against the flesh, and the flesh against the spirit. And as long, and, you know, people get upset about I just, I, you know, I I believe that I, I should be a truth teller, especially when I'm on a program called Nothing But the Truth.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the point is, as long as we're in these. Fleshy bodies, we are going to have a warfare between, um, you know, between Satan and between the spirit, and uh, and God uses things like this to keep us humble. Um, and there's there's many many passages that we could go to 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 show the reality of
1: that. Hmm. that um, I, I got an interesting question for you. You know, when I was listening to this debate, I noticed that the Arminius the they use a lot of Old Testament verses to to support their stance on free will. Right. And avoid completely anything from Paul. And I was just think I was just thinking, you know, could could there been you know, with the um and this just might be self-evident, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. You know, when Christ said that he would, when he died, he would, he would send us uh, his comforter, his spirit. And that, be um, prior to that. that, that suggests, but I could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong here. Prior to Christ being on earth, they didn't have that, did they? Oh, well, that's
2: a that's a loaded question, my
1: friend. You know, this is the start with first. yeah, because, well, yeah let me, let
2: let me just because I, I need to I need to address right where you're at on that, and that is that we know that yeah, Christ said that if I go away, I'll send a comforter, and he also said he he foretold the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Okay, and he also. Uh, Said to them uh, in numerous passages, and you can go do a word search on this. You know, um, in Acts, Paul and Peter many times it, it says the Holy Spirit fell on them. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is a big. You're, 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 you know, you're you're raising a question that has. Been just fought over by theologians. I mean, over and over. You know, some of them say, you know, Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, it's a one-time experience. Some say that you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, fell on them numerous times throughout the Book of Acts, and so that proves it's not a one-time experience. There's some that say, even go so far as to say <clears throat> that the uh, disciples were not even Christians prior to the death of Christ, and on and on and on. Well, the question I I just take it further back, and I know that people say, "Well, Larry always has to do this." It's, you know, I've been accused of being uh, a theological evolutionist <laughs> because you know how evolutionists say that was millions and millions of years ago. Well, Phillips always goes back to past eternity.
3: <laughs>
2: but the problem, the difference with me and the evolutionists is I have the Bible on my side because let me say this. Um, the, the, tr- the nature of the Trinity has never changed. You know, the Godhead consists of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was just as active in creation as the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, was just as active. In fact, you can see, if you want to do a word study of the Spirit in the Old Testament, You'll find it very enlightening. Okay. Uh, now, I, that being said, to get back to your question, well, you wanted to do this in depth.
3: So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, but
2: in, in the New Testament, there is uh, after the ascension, there is a more prevalent uh, action of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. And we see that in the second chapter of Acts a specific event happened and it was prophesied in Joel, as you know. And Joel said, this is that. And that is a very, very important clause. This is that, which was spoken of by Joel the prophet. Um, As far as the, the, the speaking in tongues, where they were, you know, other people from different countries were hearing them in their, in their language and so on that, that was that okay. also you see and, and we're getting into I don't want to go too far afield, but I want to at least touch on this that when you get to the uh, you know the chapter in Corinthians on the gifts uh, it very much alludes to the fact that there will, prophecies will, will fail and tongues will cease, and there, you know, there, are, there are whole denominations of uh, churches. One of them being the Assembly of God, that teaches that you do not have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, that's what they teach, and that is absolutely total denial of Scripture okay because um, uh, how can you okay what happens when tongues cease Boy, you know let's just let's just give the, the tongue speakers the, the benefit of the doubt let's say the tongues are still active today okay when tongues cease how are people going to ever get into heaven if they can't if they can't speak in tongues anymore how's the Holy Spirit ever going to uh, quicken their hearts the point is is that The answer is in John 3 again. This is really the answer to your question. And you can use this across the board in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You can use it in Old Testament times and you can use it in future times. The Spirit bloweth where it listeth, and no man knoweth the sound thereof, and so is everyone that is born
3: of the Spirit of God.
1: Okay, so so basically, because it's going back to election. And well, it's it's so I mean the spirit,
2: you know, I don't want to confuse people, you know, that uh, the the Holy Spirit is an active, vibrant, uh, uh, force of that is present, active in the life of every one of God's God's people. Election is, you know. There's no disconnect. There's no disconnect. You know, like I said yesterday. You know, everybody wants to. You know, so many people. I'll qualify this. So many people want to segment uh, the gospel. You know, they want to separate it out, and this is where it gets dangerous. They want to separate out foreknowledge from predestination from election. They want to separate out justification from election. They want to separate out uh, sanctification from election. Uh, they want to separate out glorification from sanctification, and it's all one synonymous uh, package, you know. It, and and why they want to segment it out is to confuse people. You know, that's why your question regarding people who try to use Old Testament scriptures to validate the free will position for an example one of the favorite Armenian uh, positions is you know choose this day whom you will serve the problem is they take it out of context because that is very clear there in that passage the gods on this side or the gods on this side in other words at that point it was a actual uh, he was addressing people who were uh, already giving their allegiance to false gods. You know,
3: wow. they
2: had already pretty much portrayed who they were. Okay, and you know how it was when he went in and killed all of those people who were into Baal worship, and he went in there and told them that they were going to have this big, uh, big celebration of Baal worship, and all of them showed up, and then he sent sent them in there to kill them. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is it's like the lying spirit. You know, God sends a lying spirit. Right. You know, and so <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is that, that you know, this, if I, I view God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not so much a, a micro but a macro. I see God as a big God and as one who is so encompassing his work in the heart and life and mind and soul of the believer. And when you start segmenting his work, you're going to run into, you know, people are going to run into difficulties.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to take that risk here. <laughs> uh, not not because it's biblical, but it's just because it's a thought that's been running through my yeah. head. that either needs to be erased or maybe addressed, one of the two, one way or the other. Uh, yeah. Could it could have been that when Christ died on the cross and uh, fulfilled uh, his commitment, uh, that he, uh, what we're trying to say here now, what I'm trying to say here is that prior to that, and once and now, because now we have, uh, we could have the Holy Ghost dwelling in us now if we accept Christ. And and well, he take he. Let me rephrase this. Let me
3: rephrase.
2: <laughs> I love. What it. I'm sure, yeah. I love it when you catch yourself. That's good. It shows you really, you know, the good Lord's really, really working the uh, the sovereignty of God's salvation in your in your very mind. Minus. It's a wonderful thing.
1: Yeah. Um, glory to Him. Uh, the the thing is, you know, because it, let's put it this way: was election could election be after the atonement or after you know, Christ paid for our sins. And then prior to that, there was more of a, there was more of a, in other words, there was obviously in the old Testament, there was an awful lot of works involved and now there's not. Uh, and so, uh um, or maybe I'm wrong with that, too. It's
2: not obvious. <laughs> yes, well, uh, well I, let, me, let me just interject there No, uh, Election uh, was in eternity. between. It was a covenant between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you go back to ele- uh, Revelation thirteen eight, uh it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, slain from the foundation of the world. In Hebrews 9.26 it says that uh, for then he must have suffered since the foundation of the world but now once and then the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. But at the same time in 1 Peter 1.20 it says who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. Um, And so What's so interesting is when you go into uh, words like fordination or predestination or anything that alludes to the foundation of the world, it gives you an absolute assertion of the fact that the uh, foreknowledge of God uh precipitated everything else in other words god's omniscience his omnipotence his immutability his understanding of what he was going to you know i tell people god you know there used to be a commercial on by some
3: uh,
2: crummy hotel i, I don't know what a crummy motel and it it showed this really dirty dingy motel and People were worn out and they went in to go in their rooms and said, Surprise and it showed this yeah. really dingy room. <laughs> and God is not taken by surprises, you know. God has planned this all out. I mean, if you look at, in um you know, in Luke eleven, fifty it says that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. How can that be? You know. How can how can God hold people accountable um, to this generation for the blood of all the prophets? Well, the prophets foretold before you know it happened that Christ would come and would be slain. You know, it says he was barely was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And of course, back to back to the chronology, foreknowledge or whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate Now, and whom he did predestinate, he also justified, so I'm going in the order of what and whom he justified he also glorified what shall we say to these things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect and so. The infralapsarian position. I'm not trying. I'm just because people will use, will you will hear these terms. It's not because I like the terms. I don't like the terms superlapsarian and infralapsarian. But these people that have these big D.D. degrees like to throw them around. (laughs) And the infralapsarian position is the position you just described. Is it sets forth that election is a result, not a cause. Now, you didn't say it that way, but in other words, that something preceded election. The only thing that preceded election was foreknowledge, okay? And it wasn't God knowing what you were going to do, it was God knowing what he was going to do. See, the the Armenians teach foreknowledge as something that God knew what you were going to do. But that is a wrong interpretation, foreknowledge is God knowing what he was gonna do before he did it. Okay. And so um, I hope that helps. Uh it's a it's a very it's a very good question though. Yeah. uh to have the order of things right, you know, uh is is paramount in understanding uh the sovereignty of God in salvation and and uh, in in all in in Providence and, and every other way. I mean, it's it's
1: just paramount. Very interesting. It's a uh, <laughs> it is very it is a very important maybe it is uh, the most important issue in this, to understand at least one of them about election and all that. And I, just by listening to uh, uh, James White's <clears throat> debates. Or the night and in the, in the morning and uh, yeah and things like uh, well you know you, I think it was, how do I present this he talks about the whole idea of that, the fact that it, there's uh, the, 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 the erroneous notion that evil doings all evil doings are God's involved and uh, with involvement with it and that there are many the majority of evil doings are just from reprobates who are just you know uh, just doing evil, and it has nothing to really do with his plan one way or the other you know he has the big the big picture evil things that he he manipulates for his cause is his, his glory. Well, that
2: now with with James White, I agree with him <laughs> I will tell you there's certain things that I don't agree with James White on, and that's one of them. I agree with james white uh, uh you know, most certainly on his describing TULIP, you know, and I'm sure you went through that, you know, the acronym TULIP, right? Or this. That, that's, why, that's why I named my dog TULIP, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: but uh, okay. that's
2: why I'm, I'm in total agreement. However, uh, where I part company with Mr. White is on his position on common grace, and I also part uh, notion with him to believe that there are maverick molecules. In other words, that there are certain things that happen, you know, secondary cause, that, you know, God just let happen instead of God, you know, uh, actually being a part of them happening. Because if you go down that road, if you allow for one maverick molecule, you allow for a whole universe of maverick molecules. I mean, you cannot make an exception and say there's one maverick molecule going out on its own that God hasn't caused. Because if you get into secondary causes, my friend, you'll be right where you're, you're, you're the gentleman that you described to me the other day that said that, that Jesus is the devil. Okay?
1: Yeah. That's
2: where it goes that's that's exactly where it goes. I mean that's the hyper position, but it incrementally, if you start making exceptions
1: and and
2: there are no exceptions in election.
1: so why do you think james white
2: i think because, does that
1: or believes that is it
2: Well, I think that he is um, if I'm not mistaken, he's a doctor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, right. And
2: he, you know, and that he would be, you know, if he heard me and heard this conversation, he would literally go into orbit. But he's still holding on to a lot of the seminar, you know, I call it the dead cemetery that he went to. They shouldn't be called seminaries, they should be called cemeteries, you know, because by the time you go through all of the Greek and the Hebrew interpretations, which is, you know, every time you go in front of a professor that thinks he better understands interpreting the Greek and Hebrew of the authorized version of the Bible, he's shaking his face in the fist of God and saying, the ordained translators that translated the King James Version and that version that was preserved down 400 years, I'm smarter than them, so therefore I'm smarter than God. That's exactly what it is. And so he went through that process and he bought into some of it and it's caused him to have some problems now because he's starting to try to, you know, align himself with some other folks like Piper and other people that, you know, now he, he's, he's incrementally changing over there, it's just like some other people like that have, you know, huge audiences. But as far as that debate with Hunt, if the reason I wanted you to hear that, and I'd recommend all your audience to listen to that debate, is I think that James White lays out a real good comparison contrast between the Armenian view and the biblical view. Okay? Yes,
1: I do see that, and I also one thing that's really I stuck with my, to, to me, was the fact that uh, of how he was not reading willing to read the verse that he kept on using to justify his position uh which I can't remember which verse it is now but uh, I should have wrote that down like um are you speaking of hunt now Yes. Yeah. and he he would not he would not even finish the complete verse uh, he would complete the verse or read it in his context. to justify well it hunt.
2: sounds like he was using the patents which I referred to. Uh, earlier that my my cousin was using because they all use it that the God is not willing that they
1: should perish you know yeah I think he was using you, the one about you know if you uh, I would have taken you under in my wings but you, that know, you that. would
2: not yeah yeah and and the, and the reason he wouldn't do that is because James White has an excellent answer to that passage you know oh Jerusalem Jerusalem thou that killest the prophets <laughs> okay, and, and, and if you go back and read that verbatim, okay, uh, it's speaking of those who absolutely, uh, re, you know, refuse to listen to the prophets about the yeah, you know, about the coming Messiah, and yeah, uh, you know, the same, the same context of what Paul said. is how often I wish I was cursed for my kinsman's sake. You know. Um, but the the point is is that Christ goes on and describes who they are. Um, and so anyway,
1: uh It seems like he's like he's he's really uh pointing the finger at the the Pharisees and Sadducees. Right? Exactly, exactly. He's putting the blame on them and he's saying that they're the ones that betrayed the people and betrayed him.
2: That's right. That's, right. I mean? That's exactly right. It's just like he did in John eight. Uh, on the earlier Bible study I did last week, you know he said you know you're from under you're from beneath, and i'm from above, and you're your father, the devil, and the works of your father you will do you know and and uh the reason you can't come to me is you're not my sheep <laughs> I, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and no man can pluck them out of my hand you know
1: what where are we at <laughs> i't well, you know isn't it fascinating what what paul does it's it re- he really does deliver the meat,
3: isn't it Yes, he does.
1: He <laughs> really causes you, if you're willing to, just you know, to, to think. But you, yeah. if, but once again, we're trained to plow through, and this is the reason why most people don't like uh, uh, Paul, and it's because we're trained to plow through it and kept you know, one or two points, and you just can't plow through it. So we're I think we're at uh, 20, and uh, he says an instructor of... The foolish, a teacher of babes maybe we already read this, but read it again, which haste the form of knowledge and the truth and the law, thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. Thou that preaches a man should not steal, does that steal? <laughs> reason I'm
2: laughing is I'll I'll give you a metaphor here, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you say that, uh, you know, <clears throat> now I I've said this before. I uh, I don't like Jimmy Carter,
3: <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs>
2: and I didn't vote for Jimmy Carter, and I think he was a deplorable president. But I don't think he was worse than any the rest of them. Okay, I put them all in the same bushel. Okay, but anyway, Jimmy Carter did. Properly apply the scripture. If you look after a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart because that's what Christ said. Right. That's what Christ said. That's what we're. That, that's what this is referring here. You know, stealing isn't just going in into a store and taking somebody's cash. I mean, there's a lot broader application for stealing than that.
3: You know.
1: Well, well the thing is, when I'm reading this, one thing that I first think of is the priestcraft and the. <laughs> And uh like uh well the Roman Catholic Church, but the Mormon Church, uh all these organized religions because uh this is basically what they do I mean they steal from the laity um and he goes on um, you know
2: what the biggest theft that they' the, the biggest theft there is that they're, they're they're stealing replacing you know stealing is the same thing as replacement if I come into your house and you have a a bottle of say, a whole jar full of quarters, and I just put pennies in this place and take the quarters, okay? Well, that's what that's what the, this is referring to. They're replacing with a false gospel.
1: <clears throat>
2: they're not replacing it with the completed work of Jesus Christ. They're replacing
1: it with works. You yeah. Know? That's stealing.
3: It's stealing, you know?
1: Therefore thou teachest uh, another, teachest thou not thyself. Uh, thou that preaches a man should not steal, dost thou steal. Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery. Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege. Uh, thou that makest th- thy boast of the law, through breaking the law dishonors thou God what does that uh, verse say to you
2: well in other words that
1: um,
2: uh, you know what what Paul is and you will find this as he goes down down further you know one thing I love about Paul he always answers his own questions He'll set forth all these questions, and he'll give them a chance, you know, and
1: then he'll answer
2: (laughs) Okay, but anyway.
1: Okay, so we can keep on reading uh, if you want. Yeah.
2: Well, the answer is in verse 29. Yeah, just keep going.
1: Okay. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as -hmm. it is written. Really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. For the name of God is blasphemed Mm -hmm. among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. For circumcision verily prophesies if thou keep the law. But if thou break, be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the, the righteousness of the law, shall not the uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? <laughs> that is, uh, shall not uncircumcision be which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the le- by the letter and circumcision doth transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision that is that of the heart and the spirit and not in the letter who prays is not of men but of God wow. what what advantage then I'm gonna go into three now because it ties in a little bit it looks like what advantage then hath the Jew what profit is there a circumcision
3: <laughs>
1: much every way chiefly because that unto them were Committed to the oracles of God
3: yeah.
1: um for uh, well if you go to another question, you want to comment here, but her oh,
2: i do i do i want i'cause the the twenty ninth verse there we 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 need to spend just a few you know a little bit of time on that because that is a key a key verse um he is not a Jew who's one outward. But inwardly circumcision of the heart. And we remember what happened in Galatians, you know. Uh Peter was trying to get, you know, the Gentiles to be circumcised. And Paul withstood him to the face. And Paul actually, you know, contended with him. I mean, in front right in front of the Jews and the and the Gentiles over this matter. And uh and the whole issue was, uh, are we talking about, are we talking about faith, are we talking about works? If you want to find something really interesting, just gig, just Google, uh, grace versus works controversy. <laughs> just Google that, grace versus works controversy. You'll get your boat loaded. But the the thing of it is, let's just. Can we just take a minute and look at this first chapter of Galatians? I want to just look at a, a couple of verse, uh, verses here. In verse 6 he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into great, into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. Uh, but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel." of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have first preached unto you, let him be accursed. And then he repeats that same thing again. And he says that uh, in verse you know, verse 11, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. It's, in other words, Larry's interpretation, you know, there's a I always give people a hard time because there's a a guy, that his name is Phillips, and he's got his own translation, Phillips' translation, you've probably heard it. So when I say Phillips' translation, I'm not talking about the other guy, I'm talking about me.
3: Okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man, for I ne- have neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in the times past in the Jewish legend, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. He was a Judaizer. He was trying to get these people to keep every point of the law, including not picking up sticks on the Sabbath, including not uh, endorsing healing on the Sabbath, including having the very eighth day having your child circumcised and on and on and on we know all the laws anyway and he goes on and he says I profited verse 14 in the Jewish religion above many of my equals in my own no nation being more exceedingly jealous of the, the traditions of my fathers but here's what's, here's the difference <laughs> and this by the way is if this is an election I don't know what it is but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, I didn't come to preach to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. And so, anyway, now, to be to be fair here, uh, so that I can convey my continue to convey my thoughts on this because we're we're talking about the same guy that's that, that we're studying in Romans here same guy okay right. different different church you know he was preaching in Romans here he happens to be preaching at Galatia and do you think Galatia you think you know you know the network i mean i'm sure the network was pretty prevalent there too And anyway, in verse 4, well, verse 3, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And because the false brethren, unawares, brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ, Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we gave place by suggestion not for an hour, but the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But these, but of these who seemed to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepted no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference had nothing to me. The contrary rise When they saw the gospel of the uncircumcision, in other words, what he's saying there, is when they saw that I was going to Preached the good news uh, to the Gentiles, okay. And they also knew that Peter's uh, ministry was primarily to the to the Jews. It says in verse eight, he wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the Jews or the circumcision. The same was mighty and toward me toward the Gentiles. So in other words, Peter was primarily teaching to the Jews, and Paul to the Gentiles. And it says in verse nine, and when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, and so on, um, and it says that we should go in the heathen, and they under the circumcision. So they'd made a decision amongst themselves that his his ministry was primarily to the Gentiles, and theirs was to the Jews. And uh, but then something happened. Peter came to Antioch. In verse 11, it says, When Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. These Jews didn't like the fact that that the Gentiles were being brought in. They were very jealous of the fact. Who do these people think they are? They're not the seed of Abraham. And it goes on down through there. And he says in verse 14 When I saw they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compelst thou the Jews to live as do the Jews? The Gentiles says to, to live as do the Jews who we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, <laughs> knowing a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. you know I don't care how, Good, Larry Phillips can keep the Ten Commandments. I cannot be justified by the Ten Commandments. I'm justified by the faith of Christ. Verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. And so he you know, he concludes there, and he says in verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet I. Not I, but Christ lived within me in the life which I now live in the flesh. He knows he's still in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain, and there's your there's really the answer to what we're talking about, Michael. You know Paul says it much better than I can say it. <laughs>
1: Well, you know what comes to my mind right away is why do we have this i don't know if it's well uh, why do I have this tug in me this inward desire to want to go keep the law? Well, I don't want to speak for anyone else even though it's obvious that I'm not alone in this absolutely
2: um we you know there's a it's um, it's it's back to the idea of you know, sacrilege, you know. And I'll I'll, ref- I'll I'll post a question, you know. Why does anybody uh, want to replace the perfect sacrifice of Christ with anything to please God? Now, if your desire, you have an inward desire, okay, to love God and to keep His commandments, okay, that's one thing. There's nothing, in fact, that's a good thing. In other words, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The problem with it is, most people uh, are, are keeping the commandments thinking it's going to do something for them to merit the favor of God. That's the distinction. As long as you're keeping God's law out of love for Christ and what he's done for you, wonderful, because that shows that you've been conformed to the image of his son. But if you're keeping the Ten Commandments and you're worshiping on a certain day and you're you're uh, you know going to mass or you're doing sacraments or you're uh, washing somebody's feet or you're visiting somebody in prison thinking, Man, that scores, you know, I had a guy tell me one time, well, I've done enough good things that, you know, I should be able to take a break for a couple of weeks. I've scored some pretty good points with God this week, so if I die in the next couple of weeks, I think I'm in good stead.
3: Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's, that's
2: the idea. I mean, it's just like Jim O'Laughlin, you know, the guy that, the, the Roman Catholic that owns all these Catholic radio stations up here in Kansas City, you know. I was talking to him one day and you know, because I told him, you know, you realize you're serving Babylon, man, you know, or the beast, you know. And he said, you know what, Larry Phillips, I am being saved.
1: Why do you think I'm buying
2: all these Catholic radio stations, Larry? You know, that's why I'm doing it. He goes, this is going to save me. He goes, I believe in works, and I believe works save me, you know. And I, I just said, hey, I got one question for you, Jim. Why did Christ come and die on a cross? You know, so that you'd have to go out here and do all these works. What did Christ mean when he said that it is finished, Jim? You know. And uh, anyway, <laughs> well,
1: you know, yeah. Well, it's why the, the motivation
2: the, the is the most important question. You know, the motive behind why we do what we do. You know. Why are we having this Bible study? You know is the motive to gain points with God? That's not my motive because I know God's already completed the whole work. My motive is to learn more about him, and if anybody else wants to learn more about him, you know and through this study and reading god's word, wonderful but there's well,
1: this this is the key to what I think it is problem. The problem is that we don't know. About him. Right, right. Is, you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is um, there's that desire to, to I guess, it's because of the veil has been placed. It's like this. We're all like, we're all trained animals, if you will, like puppies waiting for a master. And we're used to using our eyes and following obediently. Uh, the orders, and the way that God's going about this is not what we're used to, <laughs> and so it's like, how do I have a, a personal, a truly personal relationship with God? And is it going to church and doing all these things that to, to eventually this get us in, me entrapped, to get me wrapped up in? Uh, other men's desires and whatever, and then there's, you know, I've, there's a, there's a, I guess there's for, uh, there's a, an inner yearning for many, I would assume, at least for me, to want to have a personal relationship with God. And either it is because of a lack of faith, which I know that's probably not the answer, but there's just a, uh you know what there it is, Larry? It's a lack of faith that what we're reading right now is actually how we have a personal relationship with God. That makes sense. In other words, we yeah. think that we can replace it by we can substitute the necessity of what we're doing right now as far as reading the scriptures and and with uh church life and prayer life. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I know there's a lot of people out there that want to act like they're mystics, and they can just say all these prayers, and somehow that's going to make them have a relationship with God. And then there's, of course, there's churchianity. Going to church on Sunday, being part of, uh, you know, Wednesday's uh, uh, Sunday school, all these kind of things, you know, being part of the group, and therefore I'm Christian, and therefore I'm close to God type of thing substitute there's like a mediator between us and god and that's institution and then with prayer i'm not saying the prayer is wrong but what i'm saying is the way to have a personal relationship it seems evident at this point is actually to read the bible <laughs> <laughs> which is something that i struggle with and i think a lot of others do too because of a well, the fallen nature that I am, and because of um, a lack of faith that reading this book is actually how I'm going to have a, uh, a meaningful relationship with a true, lucky God. In other words, I want to have a personal I'm like everyone else. I want to have a personal experience, my very own. Of course, now it's all about me again, isn't it? I, 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 you hear it all the time with everybody else, and there's that natural yearning that we have. We think that we should be so special that we should have our own personal experience going on on a constant basis with, between us and God. And I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying it's not happening in the sense of why one's imagination should, uh, suggest it should be. I guess what I'm getting at is just coming to have this, like today seems to be the theme, the message for me is that I, Michael Adams, have a lack, not, I don't have sufficient faith in God's word and being willing to spend the time necessary to live this and just breathe it and just be it my necessary companion to have that personal relationship with God.
2: Well and I think that, you know, what you're saying is a uh, is it is part of this the spiritual battle that we all face. I mean, first Thessalonians two thirteen he says and this is Paul again. <laughs> He's now at the Thessalonian church. And by the way, um, I I think it's very difficult, uh, in the time that we're living in to really because I think Paul would have been the first one to, uh, at the time that he was living there, would be the first to proclaim and edify uh, believers getting together around the word of God, you know, uh, and edify and build each other up in the faith like we're doing here. But anyway, First Thessalonians two thirteen it says, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when we receive the word of God which ye hear of us, received it not as the word of men, but as it is a truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So what he's saying here is that, you know what, one of the marks of a believer is the fact that they receive the word and they realize that there is something effectually about it, you know, and and Paul's preaching to the Church at Romans, you know, and he says, "But what saith it the Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart that is the word of faith, which we preach. I mean, Paul spent his whole life preaching you know, and teaching uh the word of god and 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 by the way uh <laughs> now this this is another yeah." You know, Oh, this could get me in a lot of trouble. Uh, there's a lot of people that preach gospel regeneration, meaning that a person—and I don't even like the word regeneration. Regeneration uh, is not used in the Bible as a person being born again. Okay, and you can you can check me out on that.
1: Um, is James White one of those guys? Is he one of those guys?
2: Definitely. No, no, uh, gospel regeneration are, are people that are like in the uh, missionary Baptist camp, uh, some of the progressive primitive Baptists, the Southern Baptist are gospel regeneration people, uh, they actually believe, you know, how can you hear without a preacher? and how can you uh, have good sent? But the problem is they they stop there. They don't go on. It says the word is out of thy mouth it goes on and says some are going to receive and some aren't going to receive the word of God. The word of God does one of two things, okay? And the word of God does not necessarily have to be the Bible. Oh, now, you say, "Uh uh-oh, Larry's into special revelation. No. The word of God is anything that God says, okay? In other words, if, uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you an instance, um, there were many times in the Old Testament where God actually spoke directly to the prophets. I mean, he actually spoke right to them. He spoke with Moses face to face. That was the word of God. Okay, but anyway, here he says, uh, here he's, uh, I just want to show how Paul is so, I mean, he's eloquent. Um, but Paul was in the same camp as Peter on this. Uh, 1 Peter one twenty five. The word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. In other words, the word of the gospel and the word of the Lord are synonymous. It's synonymous. And so that's the problem that we have today because we're not getting... Um, when I say we're, I mean the 99 and 9 tenths percent of Christendom is not getting the word of the Lord. They're not getting it. No. They're getting Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. I mean, I remember 25 years ago, um, I'd always want to know about different churches I'd never heard of, and I was down in uh, um, uh, Warrensburg, Missouri, where there's a college campus, and there was a church there, and we were, happened to be down there this, this particular Sunday, and we drove by this church. It was called Cumberland Presbyterian Church. <laughs> and I said to Rosette, what, what is Cumberland? She goes, I have no clue. She says, well, I've heard of all the other ones, United Presbyterian, Presbyterian Church of America, Presbyterian Church of the United States, uh, Reformed Presbyterian Church. I've never heard of Cumberland. I, Let's go and see what they're saying. You know, I'm going to find out about this church. We go in there, and we got in there, of course, a little late. And there was a lady up in front of the church, and you know what she was—what her what her message was that day? She was preaching Maslow's hierarchy of needs.
3: <laughs> That's really? She yeah, that she was teaching psychology.
2: And so, after the after the lesson and everything, you know, I said. To one of the members there, I said, Well, what, could you have like a statement of faith or, you know, a doctrinal creed? Or, sure. So they handed it to me. You know what it said? We are we are Calvinistic Arminian in doctrine.
1: <laughs> what the heck's that? That's like
2: a... <laughs> it's a crossbreed. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's right.
2: And it, said, it just said, We have the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. You know, right? I <laughs> mean, <laughs> you, you talk about schizophrenic, my friend. All right.
1: That's madness.
2: Yeah. But anyway,
1: uh Well get a uh, get she's here. Oh, okay. And she says question a lot of Christians say faith without works is dead. Is that a lie? No, it's not a lie. It's absolute fact. But the most
2: important question that we have to ask is where does faith come from? Okay, that's the most important thing. You know, a lot of people have the attitude. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm sure glad that God has given me uh, faith as a grain of mustard seed. Well, I'm glad to hear him say that. The part that God has given me, because a lot of people think they can drum up faith on their own. Hebrews 12:1 says that He the author and the finisher. So if we do any good works, okay, if we do any good works, the origin of it comes from the faith that's been given to us by God. And by the way, if we have faith, we are going to do good works. Paul was a strong teacher on works. Now, Paul did not teach that works did anything to merit our salvation. But Paul said, be careful to maintain good works several times and he said, "Shall we sin so the grace will abound? God forbid. But Paul made it always very clear, okay, that works were a result, not a cause of our salvation. Obedience didn't cause our salvation. Faith did not cause our salvation. <laughs> okay? Believing, repenting, getting baptized, none of that caused our, what caused our salvation? What caused our salvation
1: God Christ gave us Christ, Christ, Christ's crucifixion Christ's
2: death on the cross. Hmm. He said it is finished, okay that's the cause of you know our salvation and our justification <clears throat> and you know it goes back to John three with with Nicodemus, you know you remember Nicodemus came to Christ by night. He, and I'm convinced, and this is just my opinion and I could be wrong, but I think there's a reason why Nicodemus came to Christ by night. He didn't, <laughs> just didn't want to be seen of all of his peers that he was going to Christ for spiritual instruction. Here. You know, Christ even said, aren't you a leader in Israel and you don't know these things?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that part of the issue, too, then, when it comes to works? What is works? Because you know, um, they're the yes, we're going we're going all over place tonight. That's okay, uh, it's all relevant. Uh, <laughs> what are works? What are works then? Because you know, Trichiani uh, is going to tell you what their version of works is, and uh, but what is works really about? I mean, what are they talking about here? Of course, is he? Uh, The more you read this, there's nothing about Christianity at all, is there?
2: No. Well, I can tell you, uh, I think the best answer to the question on works um, is just go to John 6, if you can, over there. And uh, because I think that Christ has a really good answer here. He says, uh, down here, my computer is kind of funky today, but... uh, In verse uh, 28, this is the uh, Pharisees again. Well, oh, they sure harassed Jesus a lot. Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent you notice he didn't even answer their question about how they might work the works of God because he knew they couldn't, okay? Mm-hmm. And so so the reason that it's important to understand that, you know, uh, and I know that people get tired of me being so redundant. One thing of having taught school, I learned that repetition is the mother of all learning, okay? You have to repeat it over and over for people to finally get it sometimes. And what I'm repeating now is is that there's the work of God's elect, and there's the false work of the rep- reprobate. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Jesus is trying to point out, when they said to them, what shall we do that we might work the work, works of God? He said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. In other words... You can't have faith, you can't have repentance, you can't have conversion, you can't do any good works until God works in you believing. (laughs) And once you believe, in other words, you can do all the works in the world, but if God has not quickened your heart and given you faith, you're not going to have any. But now, now, now to get his question, and your question, the works, okay, uh, that's what separates out the right motive from the wrong motive. Because for God's elect and for his person that's been you know, quickened by the Spirit and has been born again, uh, he sees the love of God manifested in his heart, and he is working a work of love, which is the highest work you can give it's the highest work you can do for God is the work of love. Because without love, there's nothing. You know, he says, faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is love or charity. And that's the highest work. You know, uh, And it is a work. A work of love. You know? You say, well, how can you identify love? You really can't. <laughs> I mean, you... Um, but I've seen people I You know, there's. I've seen a, a, the Pat, and I'm not exalting this person. But there's a lady at our church. She happens to be the pastor's wife, and I see nothing but uh, a, a servant, uh, a servant's heart in that lady. She's a giver. She loves, and she's been given love. You've seen people like that. They don't expect anything in return. They're not doing it to get man's glory. They just enjoy being a servant, and I, and I think that's uh, that's the answer. You know, it's it's out of pure heart, unfeigned, loving the brethren.
1: You know. What you say? Enjoying being a servant. I mean, most people are going to think that that's. Instinctively, that it's serving others. Is it serving others first, or serving God first?
2: Well, you know, the point is, is if you're,
1: you know,
2: if you're if you're born again by the Spirit of God and God's Spirit's working in you, um, you're gonna, you're obviously gonna serve God first. I mean, God is, you know. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be holy and acceptable, you know, to God.
1: You know, we don't that have as, to... that as far as then, uh Well, it seems like just like the order that he said, you know, love my my uh, heart, my soul, and then love my neighbor as a self. So the first, wow. yeah. the ingredients to all this, this has nothing to do about commandments. This has nothing to do about churchianity that has nothing to do about sacraments or Sabbath. at this point it's basically um god chooses you you're 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 one of his elect he's going to work with you you're going to have end up having a relationship with god and an inward relationship the only way you're going to have that uh is through reading this what we call the bible and uh in prayer life, and this is what you and I are doing, and as we're doing this, as God presents, life presents the opportunities to be a loving neighbor, we we will, not because of any kind of earning, we won't even be thinking about brownie points, we'll just do it. And I think that the, the thing is, this whole thing that's been presented to us is this well, you kind of, you even sound like a robot, an avatar, what do you call that, Uh um But in a way, they're right. Because, you know, isn't that really what we all are anyways, one way or the other? Whether we we fall to, a, or become obedient, if he chooses us to be one of his, well, let's put it this way. I'm going to say it. I, for the longest time, uh, I, you know, looking back in my past, he, he's been trying to wake me up for a long time. And like Paul, I've been kind of kicking at the bricks, the kind of thing, and just kind of. Uh, you really, I mean, I think about why it took God to wake me up to be hit with MS, break up my, you know, the, the my son's mother, losing my father, then losing my niece. Um, and losing my job' I had to lose everything before I could wait week and but through along the way there were, I saw him trying to well he's nudging me uh I don't know if he was- i't i don't, i do not know if he was actually trying to wake me up or not or he just wanted to have go through all this so that it' be solidified that he is God and and I'm not, <laughs> I have <laughs> well, no know, idea.
2: I, I will say this, you know, and, and this, um, it took me uh, quite a while after I came to Saving Knowledge of Christ, too, uh, because I needed, I needed sound doctrine. I needed milk. I need, I, I couldn't handle meat. I had to have milk. And the milk was, you know, unconditional grace, uh, that I am predestinated into adoption, my life is secure in Christ. I needed that, but but after after I after I received that, then I will say this, and you, and I don't know how you're gonna receive this or not, but I'm going you know, it is. Paul spent a lot of time on practical Christian living. He spent as much time on practical Christian living as he did doctrine. I'll give you an example. If you look to, and and I'm just going to touch on this. Philippians chapter one. He's now teaching at the church at Philippi. Okay, and he says, "Grace be in you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ." So he tells them, "Look, grace, okay, comes from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ." And uh, he's telling he's telling them where their origins are. Then he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy. And then he says, for your fellowship in the gospel, from the first day into now, being confident, this is what I needed, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But then he gets into some other things, even as it's meet for me to think of uh, you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as much both in my bonds, he happened to be in prison, and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in all the bowels of Jesus Christ. He's talking about here now fellowship with his brethren. And this I pray that your love may abound, yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. But I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out, rather, under the furtherance of the gospel. That's just what you said. Why did all these things happen to me? I can tell you why they happened to you, Michael. They've fallen out to you, rather, under the furtherance of the gospel. We're talking about the gospel this afternoon, friend. We're talking about Christ crucified. And many of the brethren of the Lord waxing confident by me, by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some, indeed, preach even of envy and strife. And some also of good will, the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add to affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and I will rejoice, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to the earnest expectation of my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, and that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall mag- be magnified in my body, whether it be life or death. And for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But I live in the fl- now. This is <laughs> yeah. I live in the flesh. This is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am astray, betwixt two, having the desire to part and to be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for all your furtherance and joy of faith, that that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by coming to you again. And only let your conversation be as that, as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me and now that's he's just starting to get started okay I mean you you get into, you start getting into his practical instruction and I'm telling you some of his teachings are hard sayings. I mean when you get into his practical Christian instructions it's like oh man this sounds like legalism to me but it's, it's Paul's teachings. And he always mixes it with grace, and he always mixes it with the sovereignty of God in the in the, the hearts. And so, I'm not denying that God that Paul doesn't teach practical Christian living at all. Okay, but what I am saying is very important to have your foundation before you get into that, because if you don't, uh, people start boasting, they start relying upon their works, they start they they don't have the they don't have the order right, you know. Yeah, I do
1: know. <laughs> I do know, and it's you know, so you're reading that, it goes. I'm going through this uh, interesting uh, battle, and because so I, I know what you're, what you're reading to me I, when I hear it, I, it's truth. Yeah. And then I go right back to the old mic.
3: Yeah.
1: I and uh, the fallen, uh, wretched Mike that I am. Uh, what? <laughs> It makes you – it's, it, it's it really uh, – it's profound because it makes you really realize how important it is to uh, – it's not to be a Bible thumper, which I guess you'll oh. end up being one. Uh, anyways, um, it's that you got to spend I've as much been, possibly time, time in it I've had work. people
2: say to me, you know, are you one of those Bible thumpers? And I go, yeah. They go, you admit it? And I go, yeah. They
1: goes, Oh, yeah. <laughs> guy
2: told me one time. I I used to have a friend of mine. He was another truck driver. I don't know why I like truck drivers. I I like Walt, you know. But anyway, this guy was. This was before I was, you know, before I was uh, a Christian, you know, before I was really, and uh, he was, you know, he was uh, hyper Arminian. And uh, any time I would, after I became a Christian, you know, I was studying the Bible. And so he'd call me up. His name was Bill. He'd call me up. And he'd want to talk about everything but the Bible. And I, I'd say, well, hey, let's talk about the Bible a while. And you know what he'd say? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? <laughs> and I
3: said, what? He said, I don't,
2: we don't need to go over all that stuff. We we already know all this stuff, you know. And I said, man, I I can't get enough of that stuff. He says, you're, you know what you are, Larry Phillips, since you have started down this path, you're an old fuddy-duddy. <laughs> he goes, I don't want to be known as a fuddy-duddy. Do you want to be known as a fuddy-duddy? I go, I don't care.
3: <laughs>
2: you know. But anyway, that that kind of changed the nature of our re- relationship because. I think that uh, we are going to want to stay in the Bible. We, if we are truly God's sheep, we're going to want to hear His voice, and we're going to be—we want to be reminded day after day after day. That's why I—I I, I couldn't. There's nothing more. I sent you a message today. What's really important? It's in your email, and uh, I actually posted it on Facebook today. It's an old message back. Oh, I think I did that in 2014. And I had a terrible cold when I did, so excuse the cold. But uh, that, that's where I was at right at that point. I was thinking, you know what? These people spend all their time talking about the Super Bowl, talking about basketball, talking about baseball, talking about uh, family reunions and Christmas and St. Patrick's Day and Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day and birthdays.
3: But they never talk about
2: God, and they never talk about the Bible. Something's wrong with this picture, you know. And uh, I, I, do, I
1: do, I do, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, there's, this, I'm, there's seeing, it, I'm I, seeing it in myself, you know. And uh, you know, as I'm sharing my journey with other people, uh, all this time I spent uh, with all these other uh, side. I guess it, I don't know any better way to say it. but side issues, you know. Yeah. Um that I can actually do nothing about um, it's, it's no different than the, the, when I was that guy that was watching the football game on Sunday and uh, here I am uh, it's 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 funny uh, well look, uh, at,
2: look at I don't know if you can pull it up First Corinthians 1 um, and this is this is really what you were you were talking actually about this earlier. First Corinthians one twenty three down through thirty one. Well yeah. It says uh, twenty two, for the Jews require a sign as a Greek seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called Okay. See that That's where people need to understand that the gospel is not for the whole world, every person without exception. The gospel is for those which are called. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. You know, I I thought about that one time, and I thought, why would Paul say that? There's nothing in God that's foolish, but He was trying to show that even the, if God could be foolish, <laughs> okay, if God could be foolish, He's still wiser than men. And the weakness of God, God's not weak at any point. But if He could be weak, He'd still be stronger than man. For you see, your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many wise, mighty. Not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, have God chosen yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught, things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption <laughs> who of God okay who of God has done all of those things, and then he you know he uh he concludes that according is written, he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord and uh I think that's a really good place to maybe end the broadcast today because that's oh
1: another. yeah that's a great place oh uh, you know thank you very much for spending the uh couple hours again with me, I really do value this and uh it looks like Walt is in the chat room and kathy and Anna. so you're just people are showing up today. that's great um uh the thing is uh yeah, it's what I'm seeing and what i'm, I'm uh, is that uh yeah, I gotta do more of this i gotta do more of this this is this is the year. You do more of uh, studying the scriptures and not so much worrying about. Um, I don't know. I guess I had to go through all this little thing the first year of the show to do all the things that I did. And, uh, well, I can to realize say, to realize. I want to. I want to kind of
2: give you. I want to kind of give you a, a you know um, caveat, uh, which is you know, or, or just to let you know. That there is anytime you anytime you have a desire to want to study the Bible, and you get into the Bible, um, there are forces that will try to pull you away. I can tell you that there are there are forces that will try to get you off of studying the Bible. They'll try to get you involved in anything, and a lot of it is, you know, seemingly good stuff. I mean, it, you know, it, it could be. Uh, speaking out against, you know, Roman Catholicism, you know, and I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. Uh, I, I, I've enjoyed the study on geocentric. I really have. I've learned a lot. And I've learned a lot about heliocentrism. And I've learned a lot about uh, the Jesuits. And I've learned a lot about Mace Masonic Order, and the New World Order, Babylon, and all of that. But I'll tell it's you, what. like
1: Walt says,
2: just a lack of balance. Yeah, but the reality of it is, and I, and I would really encourage you to listen to what is really important. That sermon, I, message I sent what is really well, because you know what I I say on that message, you know, one second after you die not going to be important. Who won the Super Bowl? It's not going to be important. You know, who was the final uh, ruler of the world? We could. It's not going, Pope Francis is not going to be important then. Uh, whether we're geocentric or heliocentric is not going to be important then. It's not going to be important about your family, your grandkids, your kids, uh, your your relationships on this earth, your ex-wife or your future wife, your bank account. Uh, I, I share this with a lot of people. It had a it had an a impact on me. I knew a guy, his name was Harry Butler, and I went to his funeral. And at his funeral, they had this big bulletin board up. And they had Harry's driver's license up there. They had his license plates up there. They had his car keys up there. They had his insurance policies up there and pictures of all of his grandkids. They had the, his whole life up there. And then in big letters, Harry won't be needing these anymore. Man, that got my attention. That got my attention. And and I'm not trying. I'm just saying, you know what, if we have the reverential fear of God in our hearts, it's going to, it's, His Spirit is going to prompt us to put more value or high value on His Word and not everybody else's. And so I'm through with my rant. <laughs> okay, with that's that's where my that's where my heart and soul lies, my friend, and and uh, that's where it's at. And I'll tell you what: there's no greater joy when you start getting into this word setting. There's
1: nothing that can compare. Nothing. I mean, that's true. It's true. You know, all the the stuff that I've been dealing with in the past year, a month, and the church and them. Okay, uh, what I've I've noticed is uh, a soul sickness. Yeah. And when I do this, I find, you know, just being around someone like you who's passionate about the Word of God and really wants to share with me how uh, this is the complete opposite. Uh brings, actually, a, a life and uh, energizes well, me well, and makes me so feel more right. alive and more hopeful. And
2: uh, A lot of people, uh, you know, the Roman Catholics say that you have to, Physically eat the body of Christ in the cookie. Okay? Jesus Christ said in John, Unless you eat my unless you eat me and drink me, you have no life in you. How can people, if they don't if they don't partake of God's word, how can they how can they go about saying they have the life of God if they're not interested in the work of God? And and that's and so it is. It's the living word. It's it's partaking of God and His, how He's revealed Himself to us. And that's the. And that's you were absolutely right when you said that is having a personal relationship with God. That's what God has ordained. That's why He's given us His Word. That's why there was, that's why there was, you know, four hundred years of darkness because people didn't have His Word. And once the once the Word was translated into, into the English language They God used John you know God used uh, Tyndale and they burned him to death they they, they killed him and then they dug his bones up and everything else they hated him because he brought the gospel to the common people so anyway I really enjoyed our fellowship brother and uh, I always do and uh, I want you to know like Paul that uh
1: well, let I'm, people know who you are again, where they can find you. I know we've talked about it now, but uh, well, this first, uh, Kathy's my, like, who is this? with my, well,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> my name is Larry, and I'm not ordained, and I'm not licensed. And uh, yeah. I don't consider myself to be a preacher. I study the Bible with my family. We have a little Weatherby House Church. And, uh, website, and by the way, I'm a great sinner. Uh, saved by Grace. And Walter Sticker reminds me of that often. But I always say, yes, but we're saved by grace, Walter. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the website you can go to is uh, sermonaudio.com forward slash house church. And uh, all of the other links are on there for any information or if you, you know, whatever. But um, okay, well. anyway, I thoroughly enjoy this time of.
1: A Bible study. We uh, let me end the, the recording here. Uh, thank you once again, and uh, God bless all of the folks listening and those who will listen in the future.